Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode number 35 of Painting the Corners with Anton Schindler, brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. As promised, here's your weekly update of the 2021 MLB lockout. As of Thursday, December 9th, not a lot of progress has been made on the completion of a new collective bargaining agreement. Discussion is taking place between the players and the owners, but there's not a huge crunch for time, as of right now at least. I mean, after all, it's still December. Realistically, these two parties have another month, and a half, to iron out these negotiations until the end of January, in time for pitchers and catchers to report, and the start of spring training. I have looked around at a few polls across the internet, and it seems that a lot of baseball fans are confident that the lockout will end before the start of the regular season, but will still either fully cancel spring training or maybe slightly delay it if the negotiations were to go well into February. As of right now, however, there's still no sign of the two sides nearing agreement, and baseball fans continue to be left in the dark questioning when all of this is going to end. In last week's episode, we talked about a couple specialty players, guys that tend to help out a baseball team in different ways than the rest of the team usually does. In this week's episode, however, we're going to talk about a select few players who not only help their team in a huge way, but really pave their own ways to becoming the best player on the team. This will start a bit of a series where we break down each and every division, highlighting the best player ever to play for each team, and comparing them against each other, and eventually, other players in the league. Today, we'll start with the hometown division, the National League West. So let's get into it. Let's start with the Colorado Rockies. Now, this one might be a bit of a surprise, as the Rockies have seen a lot of good players come through the organization over time. You've had stars like Matt Holliday and Nolan Arenado, Troy Tulowitzki, as well as Carlos Gonzalez, Vinny Castilla, Ubaldo Jimenez, and so many more. I mean, even guys that are on the most recent squad, like Armand Marquez, or Charlie Blackman and Trevor Story, give this title the all-time best player kind of a run for its money. But I think that this squad boils down to really two players at the very heart of it, which is Larry Walker and Todd Helton. Now, Larry Walker is, as of right now, the Rockies' only Hall of Famer, as he was inducted in 2020 in his final year of eligibility. Now, If he will stay as the Rockies' only Hall of Fame inductee, only time will tell. Fingers crossed that Todd Helton will also get in. But anyway, Walker started his career with the Montreal Expos, but he was signed to the Colorado Rockies once granted free agency after six years or so with the Expos. He then played with the Rockies for an additional 10 years, racking up some pretty impressive career stats. He had 258 home runs, 1,361 hits, and 848 RBIs, as well as four All-Star Game appearances, five gold gloves, two silver sluggers, and an MVP award in 1997, which was the year that Walker slugged 49 home runs. But 
I personally think that Todd Helton still beats him out. You see, both players played for 17 years, but Helton played all 17 of those years with the Rockies. Over that time, Helton shined. He had 2,519 hits in his career, slugging 369 home runs and a ridiculous 1,406 RBIs. Helton came in second in the Rookie of the Year vote and was selected to the All-Star Game five times in his career. Along with a batting title came four Silver Slugger awards, as well as three Gold Glove awards as well. I mean, what made the Rockies' all-time great first baseman even more special was the 61.8 win above replacement total, which is 170th overall in the history of baseball. That's pretty special. I mean, in his time with the Rockies, Larry only had a 48.3 war. For his achievement, Todd Helton was the first Rocky to get his number retired, followed by Walker in 2021 after he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Next, let's talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers. This one is going to be quite a bit harder to decide, as the Dodgers have been around since 1884, 138 seasons with plenty of incredible talent. Now, obviously you think about Jackie Robinson, the man that broke the color barrier. I mean, in his 11-year career, Robinson won Rookie of the Year, an MVP award, seven All-Star appearances, a batting title, and also slugged a career 313 batting average with 1,563 hits and 141 home runs to his name. Pee Wee Reese should be pretty high on this list as well, as the 10-time All-Star played 16 years in the major leagues, not including the three years that he took off from baseball, which he took off to go fight in World War II. The Hall of Famer had 2,170 hits and 885 RBIs in his career, really just proving his worth as one of the best contact hitters of all time. But I think where the Dodgers have really shined over the years is with their pitching. I believe that Clayton Kershaw should really top the list. This soon-to-be 34-year-old Kershaw has given the Dodgers plenty of incredible pitching over his 14-year career, all of which hasn't gone unrecognized. You see, Kershaw has earned three Cy Young Awards, eight All-Star appearances, five ERA titles, and even has a Triple Crown title, which he led the league in wins, strikeouts, and ERA back in 2011. The Player of the Year Award winner has a career 71.9 war, as he's recorded 101 more wins than he has losses. Pee Wee Reese's war comes out to a respectable 68.5, and only one other pitcher, the three-time World Series champion Don Drysdale, is close to Kershaw's career war with a 67.1 war. Other than these two, the Dodgers have seen plenty of good pitching. I mean, guys like Don Sutton, who has the franchise record for wins with 233 in his 16 years with the Dodgers, as well as the three-time Cy Young Award winner and three-time Triple Crown winner Sandy Koufax. And what about Oral Hershiser, or even the Dodgers ace back in the late 1800s, Brickyard Kennedy? 
I mean, there's a lot of really great players in this organization that this organization has seen. But I think Kershaw, who's still actually looking to play a couple more seasons, takes the cake. The San Francisco Giants, who came to the league just a year before the Dodgers, have, like the Dodgers, seen unbelievable amounts of incredible players in the 139 years that they've been in the league. This one is also going to be a little bit more complicated than the last two. I mean, I would argue that the top two players to ever come out of the Giants organization are the two sluggers, who were both kind of specialists in their own right. I mean, you had Willie Mays for getting base hits and home runs, and Barry Bonds, who was just home runs and walks constantly. Now, say what you want about Barry Bonds. I mean, yes, he did cheat. Yes, due to his steroid use, he's still not in the Hall of Fame. However, he is still the all-time home run leader with 762 home runs. Also, he holds the all-time record for walks with 2,558, as well as intentional walks with 688. I mean, the fact of the matter is, pitchers were still terrified to pitch to him, as it would often be easier to just walk him. Barry Bonds was still an incredible professional hitter. I mean, he could have swung at plenty of those pitches to try and get more hits, but he didn't. I mean, he chose the pitches that he wanted and got all of those home runs from it. I mean, after all, Bonds was just 65 hits short of 3,000 career hits by the end of his 22-year career. Yes, the seven-time MVP and the 12 Silver Sluggers are nice, but Bonds also had eight gold gloves out in left field. I mean, he was still a very impressive overall player. But there is still one player that comes to mind when thinking about just the all-time great San Francisco Giant, which is, of course, Willie Mays. Willie Mays is tied with Henry Aaron and Stan Musial for most All-Star Game appearances with 24. Now, this might seem a little bit weird because Willie Mays only played 23 years in the MLB, but he did play in two All-Star Games each season from 1959 to 1962. The entire purpose of the second game was to raise money for the MLB players' pension funds and a few other things, but mostly for that. Anyway, looking at his career stats, May's numbers kind of look like video game numbers. I mean, in his 10,924 plate appearances, Mays had 3,293 hits, 13th highest in history in 660 home runs, which is 6th best all-time. Barry Bonds and Willie Mays had a 143.6 war and a 136.5 war, respectively, which is the 3rd and 4th best all-time. They are some of the best hitters and really just all-around players in the entire history of baseball. Under the Diamondbacks now, who have only been around since 1998, just 24 seasons ago. But there is no shortage of impressive players here either. I, I think the pretty easy choice for the best player of all time is none other than the big unit Randy Johnson. The six foot ten pitcher out of California is really just one of the best pitchers of all time that the MLB has ever seen. And although he only pitched for the Diamondbacks for eight years, 
they were some of the best years of his career. In his time with the D-backs, Johnson had four straight Cy Young Awards, starting with his 12th season in the majors at the age of 35. Think about that. He did all of this stuff with the Diamondbacks when he was in his late 30s. I mean, Johnson didn't retire until he was 45, but why would he? I mean, with the Diamondbacks, Randy had a 2.83 ERA, 2,077 strikeouts, and 118 wins compared to his 62 losses. And not to mention, a World Series title. Johnson was a 10-time All-Star, a Triple Crown winner, and had four ERA titles, as well as the World Series MVP honors. Since the team hasn't been around for a super long time, only a few other players kind of come to mind. The 11-year vet Paul Goldschmidt would likely take the second place honor, with his 1,182 hits with the Diamondbacks, and Luis Gonzalez, who slugged 224 of his 354 home runs in a Diamondbacks uniform. Finally, we have the San Diego Padres, who, in their 53 seasons, have had plenty of success in their pitching. But even then, it would be unfair to give the best-of-all-time honors to anyone else but Tony Gwynn. You see, Gwynn, kind of like Pee Wee Reese, was just an unbelievable contact hitter, with 3,141 base hits in his entire career. He led the league seven times in the hits category, on his way to seven Silver Slugger awards and eight batting titles. Now, those eight batting titles are actually tied for the most in National League history, with the Pirates' great Onus Wagner, who also had eight. Actually, Gwynn led the league in hits seven times, which was tied for most all-time with Pete Rose. And, much like Helton, Gwynn played all 20 years of his career with the Padres, who propelled him to 15 All-Star games, as he returned the favor in the form of five gold gloves. His career 338 batting average and his 388 on on-base percentage helped him make the Hall of Fame fairly effortlessly in 2007. Hall of Famer Dave Winfield should be pretty high on this list as well, though he only played eight years with the Padres and had even better success in his time with the Yankees. I do want to bring up the Padres Hall of Fame closer, however, in Trevor Hoffman, who played for the Padres for 16 years, ranking up 601 saves, the second most all-time, 51 short of Mariano Rivera's all-time record of 652. Hoffman was also a seven-time All-Star and earned the Rollades Relief Award twice on his way to 1,133 career strikeouts and a 287 career ERA. I would say the only downfall to the 6-1 right-hander was his overall record, which came out to 61 wins and 75 losses. But that tends to get discounted a bit more as a relief pitcher, as a lot of time you're thrown into some pretty difficult situations. So there we go. There are the best players from each team in the National League West Division, headlined by Todd Helton, Clayton Kershaw, Willie Mays, Randy Johnson, and Tony Gwynn. In the 52-year history of the National League West, there has been plenty of incredible and unbelievable talent. And I feel that these five players and all of the other players that I've mentioned in this episode have done a really good job proving that point. So next week, 
We'll move on to the National League Central for the Reds, Cubs, Brewers, Pirates, and Cardinals. Thank you for listening.